Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's now time to enter the Sports Zone with your host, Bob Kemp. Tomlin, handoff. Noel. He sizes up Shibway. Got him! <laughs> a three! This is Beverly to reset. Into the corner to Wong. He'll square and shoot. Squares! 16 of 19 at the free throw line. And a turnover! Walker comes in! And he scores! And especially with Keontae George scoring, they got to find some offense from somewhere else. Kalkbrenner again setting the screen. Freeze and Neymar trails the three points. 12.4 left to play. Here comes Miles Juniors to pick it up. I will trap this pick and roll. Looking off the screen with Coles. There's the double team. Coles inside. all about defense now. Kogi playing with four fouls. SGA with a jump stop. Got it. He's got 32. The one-two. Altuve hits the dirt after he was hit by the pitch. Altuve heads into the dugout. Fastball just gets away from him and he catches him right on the hand and really two different places dial 602-260-1060 that's 602-260-1060 or tweet the show at kdusam1060 and now here's your sports own guide bob kemp on kdusam1060 and welcome to the Monday, March 20th edition of the Sports Zone. Not just the news and scores, the news and scores with analysis. In today's Sports Zone, right here on KDUS AM 1060 and Castlex HD 2 100.7, the NCAA tournament, which win on Sunday was most impressive. ASU hoops is the program headed in the right direction. The Suns, what was most disturbing about the loss at OKC? Juve basketball, should its fans be happy for Sean Miller, who is sweet 16-bound, back to the NCAA tournament, what stood out during week one, and the World Baseball Classic, should MLB reconsider holding the event in March, and what else caught your eye since our last show? Here's today's scheduled lineup on the show, which is the most informative sports talk Monday through Friday, and moments with the introduction of today's pipeline. 9.15, around the NCAA tournament with David Kenyon of Bleacher Report. 9.30, interactive action at 602-260-1060, and also the local roundup. That includes some ASU, TCU, and uh, Suns and Thunder analysis. In uh, the final segment of the Sports Zone, will be the national roundup. We'll have a look to the uh, Sweet 16 numbers uh, for the uh, Eight games being played on uh, four on Thursday, four on Friday. And also in this hour, we have our daily spring training report and lunch for two at Porta Subs. In addition, every day between 9 a.m. and noon, between now and uh, March 24th, so that's like the end of the week, one caller will win the $25 
uh, voucher to Winner's Sports Bar at Desert Diamond Casino West Valley to watch all the basketball games. Then after the sports on today, from uh, 10 to noon, it is the Extra Point hosted by Kayla. And I'm sure we will have much more NCAA tournament analysis during that time frame. All right, on to the pipeline we go. Time for today's Pipeline, where the host reveals the hot topics for discussion. And we start with the KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. And today's question is, which win on Sunday was most impressive? Creighton over Baylor, Kansas State over Kentucky, Miami over Indiana, or Michigan State over Marquette? And Kayla has the uh, early returns. Uh, 100% of the vote is on Creighton. Whoa. Okay, we need to change that, folks. Vote away. For the record, Creighton was a small favorite against Kansas State. Oh, well, excuse me. Creighton was a small favorite. While Kansas State, Miami, and Michigan State, they were all underdogs in their games on Sunday. Meanwhile, today's Twitter poll question, is the ASU basketball program headed in the right direction? And Kayla, what's happening here? Yes, 69.2% of the vote, no sitting at 30.8%. You can cast your vote over on Twitter at KDUS AM 1060. Bobby Hurley after ASU's NCAA tournament season-ending 72-70 loss to TCU was asked about the state of the ASU basketball program, to which he declared, quote, did you watch the game? That's the state of the program, end of quote, hence the question. Meanwhile, on the local front, the Suns laid an egg on Sunday. The Suns' lack of depth played a major, major role here, especially at the defensive end during the fourth quarter meltdown at Oklahoma City. What was most disturbing about the Suns' loss at OKC? Sean Miller has outlasted the U of A, at least in the uh, NCAA tournament for 2023. Uh, Miller's Xavier team, injury-depleted Xavier team, is Sweet 16 bound, while the U of A, of course, eliminated in shocking fashion in the first round against Princeton. Should U of A fans be happy to see Sean Miller back in the Sweet 16? Meanwhile, Spain, the globe, a little more on the NCAA tournament here, March Madness has many diff- definitions, a lot, of, a lot of ways you can just kind of get into the madness part, including now all of last year's Final Four teams, Kansas, North Carolina, Duke, and Villanova, all eliminated or not even in the tournament to begin with uh, in the case of UNC and Villanova. Uh, but they're all done. They're not playing this week. Uh, what stood out to you, at least they're not playing in the NCAA tournament this week, what stood out to you during the first week of the NCAA tournament? Meanwhile, the World Baseball Classic uh, is fun, no doubt about that, but... Houston star Jose Altuve, Altuve excuse me, suffered a fractured uh, right thumb in the Team Venezuela's World Baseball Classic game on Saturday. He'll need surgery. And also last Wednesday, Mets closer Edwin Diaz suffered a torn patellar tendon after Puerto Rico's win. He was celebrating Puerto Rico's win over the Dominican Republic. So, I know there's some talk out there about this. Should MLB... Uh, should they consider changing the World Baseball Classic and not play it before the regular season of Major League Baseball? Also, in addition to all these excellent questions and topics, what else caught your eye since our last show? 
that's the pipeline for today. We'll get to all these tremendous topics and much more at some strategical point over the next three hours. Anything else on your mind falls into the general discussion categories, whether it's from the pipeline or a sports topic on your mind, 602-260-1060. Or you can tweet the show at KDUSAM1060 or twitter.com slash KDUSAM1060. Basically, the only rules are accuracy and objectivity. If you violate those rules or if you're just simply bad, you will be the target of this. Coming up next, Corey will have a news update. That will be followed by around the NCAA tournament. And we'll uh, maybe even get into a little college basketball. At least one coaching opening, it appears, has been filled in the last 24 hours. At least it's being announced that Ed Cooley is leaving Providence and going to Georgetown. Uh, we'll touch on a lot of college basketball as much as we can in one segment with uh, David Kenyon of Bleacher Report. Once again, bottom of the hour would be phone call time, 602-260-1060. General discussion, also the national, excuse me, the local roundup at the bottom of the hour. A little more on ASU and the loss on Friday night against TCU. And a little on the Suns, losing yesterday at OKC. You are listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD 2 100.7. The Dan Patrick Show, weekday mornings from 6 to 9 a.m. This is just uh, something I like to call breakfast. With big-name guests, timely sports information, and more on KTUS AM 1060. And welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KTUS AM 1060 and KS Lux HD 2, 100.7. You're home of the Dan Patrick Show, live Monday through Friday from 6 to 9 a.m. The Sweet 16 field all set after uh, the last four days of chaos. Out to the KDUS hotline we go. We're now joined to sports by David Kenyon of Bleacher Report. And, David, good to have you as always. Let's just start with, uh, you know, kind of a you know, pretty obvious question, I guess. What's, what's your top storyline after the last four days of the NCAA tournament? I need another nap. <laughs> no, I, I think the biggest thing that you're going to take away naturally is always with the one seeds. Who lost, right? And then this year you have Purdue going out in the first round. Clearly history twice in the last five years after it not happening for 32 years or so. I mean, that's, that's huge. Um, really fun to watch. And so that, that's the big takeaway. But otherwise, just the general trend of the big seeds are starting to get a little bit farther. A 15 seed in the Sweet 16 for the third straight year. It's wild. It's why we call it madness, but we are re- really reaching a new level of madness in March in these last few years, and it's just really cool. Let's get a little more into Purdue here. They've lost a double-digit seeds now the last three years. Zach Eady had one field goal attempt in the last 12 minutes and a loss to FDU. Does Matt Painter need to change his style, maybe play some zone defense, uh, or does he need better players? I think the system works. Um, I am really not afraid of giving up on that. I think he just needs more guards who can contribute at a higher level. 
Uh, that was what absolutely destroyed Purdue by the end of this year. And if you look at former teams where you've had, you know, Carson Edwards, he can really carry the team, but the rest of the backcourt is okay. Um, but you look at all of these teams and how many analysts do you hear say, March is all about guard play. March is all about guard play. Purdue's had 6'9", 6'10", 6'11", now Zach Eadie's 7'4", guys who they build around. But then the one time they went deep was they had Carson Edwards who could carry the backcourt to a point. And so now Purdue just has to have more talent around their big guy and hopefully one-star guard and just be deeper because you look at the teams that that are going to go on in this tournament, they have three guards who can really score. On Sunday, Kansas State beat Kentucky. Which is the bigger story here, Jerome Tang and Kansas State moving on or Kentucky preseason number one by some going home early again? I think the the larger story for the headline is Kentucky falling short again because this is now, I believe, a losing season first-round exit and second-round exit in a row. And because Kentucky is Kentucky and next year – For example, they have four of the top nine freshmen coming to campus. Kentucky is always going to be the bigger story. I I do think it has a lot more to say about Kansas State, though, because Jerome Tang, like you said, in his first year, he brings in Keontae Johnson from Florida, whose bounce-back story is just remarkable. Um, And then in a really, really difficult Big 12 all season, Kansas State does an incredible job. And here they are in the Sweet 16 for I think it's the, only the third time in the last 40 years or so. I mean, that, that's an amazing ascent for Kansas State in, a, in the first year of Tang's tenure. And then Kentucky, I mean, I'm, obviously we've, we've been down this road. So I'd lean more toward Kansas State as being a more important story, but Kentucky will get most of the headlines. Okay, away from the Purdue part, the Big Ten has just one, eight, uh, one team of the eight playing in Week 2, and it's Michigan State. Uh, what's it say about the, the Big Ten, and what's it say about Tom, Tom Izzo and Michigan State? Yeah, I mean, we, we've been down this road before, like Kentucky, uh, you know, with the Big Ten lately. It's pretty much been, oh, Michigan gets to a Sweet 16, Purdue does it once in a while, and that's about it. Big Ten has not been good in March for pretty much the last half decade or so. Um, And then you balance that with Mr. March. Here he goes again. This is the third time as a seven seed that Izzo has taken MSU to the Sweet 16 to that second weekend. So pretty remarkable um, what MSU has done. But ultimately, this is not a surprise. You know, the Big Ten had eight tournament teams, but – None of them looked dominant. Purdue's been pretty mediocre for the last six weeks. So it's not a surprise, but, man, for, for a conference that, first of all, I live in the footprint of the Big Ten. I'm, I'm right next to Chicago, so I live this pretty much every day. But this is, this is not a good conference this year as far as elite teams. They had a lot of solid, and a lot of solid team, teams will get you eliminated on the first weekend of March. Does the Big Ten, you know, the, the coaches, do they need to change their you know, philosophy, style, et cetera? I mentioned that with Painter, but you know, does the conference need to change somewhat? Because this has become, you know, unfortunately for the Big Ten, kind of an annual event. Yeah, I, I don't have the, the perfect answer, right? I mean, there's, there's some it's personnel, some it's coaching, some it's style. Some just have to be more talented. 
Um, and, you know, then you have to factor in, we, we always have to acknowledge that this is a, a one-game or single elimination tournament, and one game can just destroy you, and sometimes it's weird, and I get that. But, yeah, I, th- there's so many different questions that the conference has to answer, and I think a lot of it will go back to talent, but ultimately they're just losing in March, and it's exhausting to watch um, and, and not have a good answer for. But, yeah, you're right. They have to really take a deep look at what they're doing because something has to change. David Kenya, Bleacher Report, currently in the sports zone. Well, let's hit on the Pac-12 here. we got one team standing in that conference, too. Uh, UCLA, even without Jalen Clark, uh, is the last team standing. Uh, looking ahead, Gonzaga's next. If UCLA wins, UCLA then been considered kind of the preeminent team in the West. Yeah, I think so. And, hey, you know, maybe that's the solution to the Big Ten's problems is just have UCLA there, right? But, <laughs> that's true. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I think UCLA has pretty much showed that this year. I mean, to lose so close in the Pac-12 tournament, that's obviously disappointing, but for them to get there and to lose to – I know they lost, but a very good Arizona team, there's really no shame in that. And so to be the only one left, that's a carrot. And to get to the Elite Eight would just make it undeniable that UCLA is is the class of that conference right now. How about compared to Gonzaga? Are they like the preeminent preeminent program in the West? Uh, You know, Gonzaga obviously has got a 20-year run of things going here, a little more than 20 years now. Uh, which was started back in the Don, you know, the Munson days, but uh, you know, so does UCLA surpass Gonzaga as far as the, the number one program in the West Coast? And that's a really fun question um, because Gonzaga doesn't have that national title, right? And if we're talking about recent history, because clearly UCLA from the wooden days, we're we're, we're not. Uh, putting any Gonzaga anywhere near that. But as far as the last two decades go, Gonzaga has been better, more consistent, you you factor in the competition level, of course. I think UCLA has a, a decently strong argument right now, but Gonzaga has just been doing it so well for the last 20 years that I, I think Gonzaga, even if they lose once to UCLA here, you know, a couple of years ago, Gonzaga did just beat UCLA in the Final Four, which feels a little bit more important than a Sweet 16, but... I mean, we're, we're splitting hairs here. These are definitely the two best programs on the West Coast, that's for sure. You mentioned the University of Arizona. You had two impressive regular seasons and two years under Tommy Lloyd, who used to be assistant at Gonzaga. Uh, but the U of A has fallen short in the NCAA tournament in those two years. Uh, you know, what's the national perception right now of the University of Arizona basketball program? Basically, I, I think it's simple. March happens, and Tommy Lloyd is going to have to learn because you can't you can't really build a team much better than Arizona, uh, short of having like a truly next level nationally recognized defender. I mean, they have size. Their size has decent spacing. They've got a great point guard. They've got four or five perimeter shooters. They do everything well from an on paper perspective. And I think it's just one of those, you know, one one just happens, two is a coincidence, right? But then three is a trend. So we're we're waiting for that third year of Tommy Lloyd that 
all right, are we going to have to have the discussion of, you know, he just doesn't really know how to win in March yet. I think after two years, it's pretty unfair to say that, especially when you look back at the years and they're 61 and 11 combined. I have a feeling that he's going to figure it out, but it just goes to show you how challenging it is uh, once you get into the NCAA tournament to continue what you've been doing all season because every single team is always giving you everything they have, and that just makes for a random tournament. Meanwhile, Sean Miller is back in the Sweet 16 for an eighth time for him. Uh, does his, let's see, a triumphant return, let's call it a triumphant return to Xavier, mean that uh, you know the, the way that he's left the University of Arizona, is that kind of a thing of the past? Because that was not a good departure when he left, uh, left Tucson. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a delicate conversation for sure. I, I think that the bad blood will continue to simmer, especially as Arizona, um, you know, they're just, they're a good program right now. Tommy Lloyd has a really good program. We'll see what happens in the future in March, but he's on the other side of the country. And if Xavier keeps winning, it's going to be pretty annoying for U of A fans for sure. Uh, but I feel like that's, that's going to die down a little bit just because Arizona is so good right now. It's not like Xavier is on the brink of, you know, Elite Eight, Final Four, and Arizona's going 12-22 and 22 because Miller left the program in disarray and it hasn't recovered. Arizona State, uh, you know, Bobby Hurley's team lost uh, at, the, at the buzzer or close to the buzzer against TCU. Uh, Bobby Hurley was asked about the state of the program after that game on Friday night, and he said, did you watch the I'm paraphrasing. Did you watch the game? That's the state of the program. So what is the state of Arizona State program in your opinion? Oh, man, that's. That's something I'm going to think about a lot over the offseason for sure. I mean, as you can imagine, the last couple of days doesn't give you a whole lot of chance to be introspective about the teams that are going out. Um, but, yeah, there's, there's a whole lot of perimeter um, offense that has been lacking. I mean, just over these last two years, you look at their uh, three-point percentages, you're talking like 280th and below, I believe, and that's yeah. simply not good enough especially when you look at the personnel that Arizona Arizona State's uh, big apologies on that um, Arizona State has they have one seven footer and everybody else is six six or uh, below basically and if you're going to play a small ball lineup but can't shoot threes you're just begging for trouble and Arizona State can be a competent competitive March qualifier but if you have a guard-heavy rotation, a wing-heavy rotation, and you can't spread the floor, you're not going to do stuff in March, that's for sure. Going around college basketball, David Kenyon, a Bleacher Report. Uh, before we look ahead to this week, uh, you know, Ed Cooley reportedly leaving Providence and going to Georgetown. Your reaction to that? It seemed inevitable. Um, and so... I just think that Georgetown had to make a decision to go get a big fish and also start to go away from the John Thompson tree. You know, that it's a classic want to keep it in the family kind of situation, but it's time for something different at Georgetown. And I think Cooley probably had seen he pretty much hit what he could do at Providence. 
um, and Georgetown, in theory, should give them a little bit better chance um, to attract some higher talent, and we'll see what happens. But I, I do think Cooley had probably run his course at Providence, and Georgetown desperately needed a, a big jolt, and that's what Cooley can provide. Speaking of the Big East, uh, Rick Pitino uh, kind of was vague. I think Vegas put that in quotes about his future after Iona's loss over the weekend, or I guess that was on Friday, uh, and uh, talk about him going to St. John's. In fact, every time I get a text alert here, I'm thinking that this is going to be the Pitino to St. John's text alert. Does this just seem to be too obvious? It sure does. I, I mean, Pitino has... I, I don't know if it's to his credit. I, I feel like it is because we, we listen to coaches lie all the time. Um, but, you know, earlier in the year, he had basically said, look, I am going to consider bigger jobs. I, yes, I'm going to do that. Um, so I think it's fair for him to say he is unsure uh, about his coaching future because he has made that very clear that I am very much considering going to a bigger job because I can win here. And he has, he's basically said that, too. I can stay here, and I can keep winning here. But if we make the Sweet 16, that's a huge accomplishment. I want to go win. This guy has two national titles. He's not trying to just ride into the sunset in retirement. Some coaches want to do that. That's cool. But Patino clearly has his eyes on getting back to where he was. And honestly, it, it feels like a, a reputation thing for him that I can come back and I can do this again. And if St. John's is the power job that comes open, then so be it. And so, yeah, it certainly feels like the obvious conclusion here. Okay, so we're down to the Sweet 16. Uh, what, what are a couple of the games you're most looking forward to? I think we might have already mentioned one of them. But what, what are a couple of the games you're most looking forward to in uh, Thursday and or Friday? I think off the, off the radar a little bit, um, if you go past Arkansas and UConn, I like FAU and Tennessee, not simply because, oh, it's a nine seed. FAU compares incredibly favorably to Missouri, and Missouri beat Tennessee twice. So I think that game is fascinating. Um, I think Tennessee will still win that just because of its defense, but I'm not expecting this to be a blowout where it's like, oh, well, FAU is a fun story. I mean, by the way, they've won like 32 games this year. This is, this is a very good team. But just the way FAU plays and the personnel they have, it, it's a very much a Missouri light, and I'm fascinated to see how that goes. Otherwise, Houston and Miami is really fun um, because it's a, very, a very similar reason that Miami has three really good guards. Houston has three really good guards. They both have undersized centers who are extremely bouncy, and then it's the clash of styles of Miami wants to run and get you in transition, and Houston wants to slow it down and grind out wins. So that, that clash of styles with even personnel, I, I think, is really fascinating. David, this has been great. I appreciate it, as always. Thanks. Bob, thanks so much. David Kenya, Bleacher Report, excellent stuff. In this segment tomorrow, by the way, to be the Bleacher Report Part 2, Kerry uh, Miller will join us uh, from Bleacher Report. We'll get some of his thoughts of the weekend we just watched or the four days we just watched of NCAA tournament play, but we'll get a little more into the uh, Sweet 16 games starting on Thursday. All right, next segment, phone call time, general discussion, 602 260 602-260-1060. 
Also, we'll get to today's local roundup. We'll go back and analyze uh, you know, Friday night's Arizona State game against uh, against uh, TCU. And I know it was uh, you know, depressing and so forth for ASU fans, but I can't imagine. You know, they think they ran out of gas to some extent, and certainly statistically or score wise. Uh, you can prove that, which I guess I'll try to do to some extent in the next segment. But, uh, you know, it was really, uh, I can't imagine they could have played much better considering all the circumstances. But they put themselves in that circumstance. If they had uh, actually not been in a play-in game and not messed around and lost to a few games that they shouldn't have, they wouldn't have been in that situation. But that was a good performance on Friday night. We'll also get in a little bit from the Suns' disaster yesterday in Oklahoma City. Catch the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays from 1 to 3 p.m. right here on KDUS AM 1060 and online at KDUS1060.com. It's time for today's local roundup. Hey, welcome back to the Sports Center with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KS Lux HD2 100.7 in addition to the local roundup. It is phone call time to the KDUS hotline, 602-260-1060, 602-260-1060. Get to the phone lines and also a little on ASU basketball in the next segment. Probably hold off on the Suns until we get to the extra point. But first up, I want to repeat the poll questions, and we will answer these during the extra point hosted by Kayla in about two hours from now with the extra point from 10 to noon, and we'll get to these, you know, basically these the answers to these questions a couple hours from now. Uh, the uh, KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. Today's uh, question is, which was most impressive on Sunday? Which win was most impressive on Sunday? Creighton over Baylor, Kansas State over Kentucky, Miami over Indiana, Michigan State over Marquette. Creighton of those four teams that won was the only team that was favored to win. The other three were underdogs. Meanwhile, the Twitter poll question, is the ASU basketball program headed in the right direction? Touched on that briefly in the last segment with David Kenyon from Bleacher Report. 602-260-1060. Uh, get to your phone calls in just a second. I want to get to a little about ASU from Friday night right now. Five-point underdog. They lost 72-70 to TCU. And uh, after uh, D.J. Horn hit the game-tying three-point shot with 18 seconds left, TCU made the game, game winner with 1.5 seconds, uh, seconds remaining. Really, I think it looked like a team that had to play on Wednesday night in Dayton, travel, playing in altitude in the second night, second time in three days, etc. Uh, you know, it was a it was it was a rough time, I think, for ASU, and they. They appeared to be in control. They led 52 to 41 with 16-24 remaining. They still led 62-54 at the 6:30 mark, but ASU got only 18 points in those last 16 minutes and 24 seconds. They got outscored 18 to 8 over the last 6 minutes and 30 seconds. And the second half, they got outscored 35 to 26. So the team that was rested, TCU, they didn't have to play earlier in the week on Wednesday in Dayton. They end up winning the game. We'll get more to this, I'm sure, in the extra point. Uh, let's go to the phone lines. And Matt and Phoenix, I'm at. Bob, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? Well, I could be better. Um... I know. Well, you, you should be over the Edwin Diaz thing by now. Well, you're never going to get over it, right? Sorry. My bad. <laughs> I'm a Mets fan, Bob. I mean, we, we don't I get know. over things like this. I, um... I know. I should know better. I, I should really know better. But I, I, I will not do that again until the next time I do it. <laughs> 
it was uh, it was a tough night, um, and uh, I'm not going to kill the, the the World Baseball Classic. Though personally, I don't watch it very much, um, if at all. Um, and I'm obviously, as you know, a big baseball guy. Um, I don't either, but, by the way. Just for yeah, you know, it's interesting in point in itself. Even though apparently a lot of people are watching it, from what yes, I gather. Are. Yes. yes, they are. <laughs> I tuned in for a little bit last night. I think it was the top of the first and saw Wainwright get out of a jam with only a run allowed. But after that, I really went back to college basketball. That was about it. Um, As far as the Mets go, um, you know, it's an understatement, in my opinion, to say this is big. Um, I thought they had a kind of accrued some some bullpen depth. um, But, you know, not to mention, uh, obviously, Diaz, being out, but they have some other injuries. I mean, Rayleigh's hurt. Uh, one of their younger arms, um, Orcus DeMonta, is hurt. Um, I, I, you know, I don't think Robertson is a guy that you can use a ton, especially over 162. Right. I thought he kind of wore down last year a little bit. So um, I'm immediately thinking two things, and that's what's the best number I can find on Atlanta to win the division? <laughs> and what's Seller, um, Cincinnati, Kansas City, uh, come May, June, July is going to be in available. What relievers from those teams will be available? So, what are your thoughts on the overall state of the Mets at this point? Not not high, uh, you know, for reasons that you mentioned there. Yeah, you know, I, I assume that Ottavino gets the first shot here. Is that right? Am I assuming I that correctly? I don't know. I haven't I haven't heard anything. Um, okay. I, I, There's yeah, no reason for question. them to publicly tell us. <laughs> but yeah, I'm just kind of trying to – fantasy owners everywhere is trying to try, trying to figure this out. So. <laughs> right. I'm in, a, I'm, in a were... I'm in a league where everybody was falling over each other trying to get Mets closers or Mets relief okay. pitchers who they assume were going to be the closer. So. I do know they were very in on the workout for Zach Britton the other day. And obviously oh. there's a relationship there with Buck Showalter, even yeah. though we didn't use him in the, what is it, 12th <laughs> or 13th inning against Toronto in the playoffs. So Yeah, that was a bad move. But Buck, to his credit, has certainly changed his tune about relief yes, pitchers. Yes, without question, yes. very quickly. Yeah, he has definitely done that. As far as uh, you know, what I think of them, I don't – Nearly, I haven't really thought about too many. Once this actually, now that we're done with the the first, you know, we get through the first sure. week of the NCAA tournament, I'll start. You know, I can kind of calm down. Yeah, and plus we're down to sixteen teams here, and you know, other than Florida Atlantic, I think I know quite a bit about all these teams, even though I certainly have learned about them a lot in the last uh, two games they played last week. Uh, sure. So I'm going to get starting in uh, uh, probably okay. not this afternoon, but <laughs> probably sometime tomorrow. Start diving into baseball a little bit more. And is Atlanta the natural pivot here? I mean, Philadelphia has yeah. got some starting pitcher injuries, and obviously Harper's out a few months. Uh, this is Atlanta's division to win now at this point, in my estimation. Agreed. Uh, okay. Definitely agree with that. And, and I actually kind of, kind of thought it was probably their division to win anyway, but I also yeah, thought that the fair. Mets weren't – I didn't think the Mets were that far behind, but I thought sure. it was going to be – they just got too many good players. Yeah, I don't know about the shortstop situation. Uh, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, right. I know that Arcia has been kind of their main guy so far, and he can play okay. defense. And they yes, probably – they don't need him to hit like – they do not you know, with he, that lineup. 
Right. I mean, his downfill, downfall in Milwaukee is that they kind of didn't have a real complete lineup. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, even in Yelich's best days, they didn't have a complete lineup, and that's Absolutely. when he was there. So, yeah, so I think that uh, – yeah, I think – I assume they're going to go with him to start – R.C. to start the season and kind of sure. you know, ease in uh, to you know the rookie a little later okay. on. Um, speaking of the Braves, I, I kind of think the – one guy that we aren't talking about here, considering how good Acuna is and, and should be off the injury, and then Riley's in the last two years. Um, I think Matt Olson, with the removal of the shift uh, a year yeah. fully in the National League and how good he is defensively, um, I don't know if he can win the MVP because I think that team might have like split vote situations, but I think he's going to have a, an extremely big season for the Atlanta Braves. Might be a three-way split in the vote yeah. for the MVP for them. That might Certainly even be, be more diff- That might be the team that's most difficult to get an MVP. Because uh, you have, if, you assume if they're going to be a you know, division winner, you know, you know, World Series contender, etc., that all three of those dudes are going to have really good seasons. Yeah, I think so too. All right, Bob. Appreciate it as always. Back to being okay. sad about Edwin Diaz. Okay, I'm glad I got you to at least chuckle a little bit. So I yeah, feel like I'm. Feel like a, no problem. Feel like I'm accomplished something here. So thank you. <laughs> All right. Right now it is time for our daily spring training report. Nice segue there. Brought to you from Porta Subs, of course. So right now, caller number two, 602-260-1060. Caller number two, 602-260-1060. You're today's winner of lunch for two at Porta Subs. Once again, caller number two, 602-260-1060. Meanwhile, we started with the Diamondbacks, and Corbin Martin was really supposedly, when they made the Zach Greinke trade with Houston, supposed to be the guy that was the key part of that deal. And, you know, unfortunately, Corbin Martin's been hurt a lot, and right now he's got a right lat tendon tear, and uh, he is likely to miss the 2023 season. So, obviously, this has not worked out well at all. He threw a pitch. Uh, way all the way all the way back on uh, March the fifteenth, which seems like a decade ago, but it's less than a week ago, and uh, you know basically you know, crumbled to the ground at that point. Uh, but uh, he's out for the season most likely. Meanwhile, World Baseball Classic Trey Turner has been the stud for Team USA. Uh, Turner and Goldschmidt homered in the uh, you know, first part of that game last night as Team USA beat Cuba 14-2. That was in the uh, Sunday semifinal. Uh, US, uh, Team USA will face the winner of today's or tonight's uh, Japan-Mexico game, uh, which actually starts at you know, 4 o'clock our time this afternoon. Uh, they'll face the winner of that for the uh, championship on Tuesday. And uh, in case you missed it from the pipeline, Jose Altuve suffered a fractured right thumb in Team Venezuela's World Baseball Classic game on Saturday. He will need surgery. That, according to Astros general manager uh, Dana Brown, he uh, talked about that on Sunday. Uh, they don't really, or at least they're not publicly saying how long he might be out until after the surgery. He got hit by a fastball from Team USA pitcher Daniel Bard, former Diamondback back in the day, uh, in, the, uh, in the game on Saturday. So uh, Altuve is going to be out for at least a little while. All right, that is today's spring training report brought to you by Porta Subs. Download the KDUS 1060 app and register to qualify for the grand prize winner of Porta Subs for a year and spring training tickets to the March 24th Diamondbacks game. One entry per day on that. 
uh, Porta Subs is uh, slicing up the quality that you crave from the fresh uh, premium meats uh, to the outstanding signature baked bread, fresh veggie toppings and savory sauces. You can test, uh, you can taste what you crave at the uh, at your neighborhood Porta Subs, and go to portasubs.com to order online and check out your uh, closest Valley location. All right, coming up next, a news update with Corey. That'll be followed by the conclusion of today's show with the National Roundup, top by the latest line. And uh, we'll get to uh, a little Sweet 16 action here. Look at the head of the Thursday and Friday numbers uh, as the games continue after a uh, much-needed break. (laughs) I'm sure the teams need a break, players need a break, coaches need a break, and God forbid the media and uh, those who try to pay close attention to this tournament, we need a break. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Cast Lux HD 2 100.7. Extra Point with local and national topics, betting lines, and banter. Weekdays 10 to noon on KTUS AM 1060, KTUS1060.com, and the KTUS 1060 app. It's time for today's National Roundup. Hey, welcome back. Final segment of today's Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KTUS AM 1060 and KS Lux HD 2 100.7. And let's look ahead to the Sweet 16. I'm going to go with uh, consensus Nevada numbers here. Sometimes I actually do some consensus worldwide numbers. I'm going to go with consensus Nevada numbers. Sweet 16 on Thursday, Michigan State against Kansas State. Michigan State opened a one-point favorite up to two. Uh, also, Arizona, uh, Arkansas, not Arizona. They're done. They went home last week. Arkansas versus Connecticut. Connecticut opened four, down to three and a half. Eric Musselman, former ASU assistant, continues to do well in the NCAA tournament, uh, whether he's at Nevada or Arkansas. For Atlantic against Tennessee, and Tennessee opened four and a half up to five and a half. Also on Thursday, Gonzaga against UCLA. Not surprisingly, that's kind of the main event of the uh, first day of uh, the Sweet 16. Uh, UCLA opened a one-point favorite up to one-and-a-half in uh, consensus locations in Las Vegas, in Nevada. Meanwhile, on Friday, San Diego State against Alabama. Alabama has really been the last, you know, starting with the SEC tournament, the last five games they've been tremendous. Alabama, a seven-point favorite. They opened six-and-a-half and immediately went to seven on this game uh, this upcoming Friday. Also on Friday, uh, Miami against Houston. That's a game that David Kenyon from Bleacher Report mentioned earlier this hour. Miami of Florida against Houston. Houston opened seven, and they're pretty much sitting at seven. There's a few seven-and-a-halves out there, at least in the state of Nevada. On Friday, also Princeton against Creighton. We all, I'm sure you all had this in your bracket, right? Uh, I had the Creighton part. Uh, Creighton opened nine up to ten, so still no respect for Princeton as far as the market goes. Then Xavier against Texas, and uh, Sean Miller against Texas, and uh, we'll see how this ends up going for Mr. Miller. Texas opened a four and a half point favorite, down to four, in the uh, early part of the week here. Uh, some quick things from the notebook. Uh, we mentioned the Rick Patino to St. John's rumors are just kind of escalated 
Uh, Doug, uh, excuse me, uh, you know, uh, Chris Collins expected to get a contract extension in Northwestern. That might have actually happened yesterday. I'm not positive. I forgot to double check on that. Uh, but he obviously did a tremendous job. And also Michael Shrewsbury, there was talk about him going to Georgetown. But Ed Cooley, as we mentioned earlier in the show, in the hour here and earlier in the show, is headed to Georgetown, apparently out of Providence. Multiple reports about that today. So the Michael Shrewsbury leaving Penn State to leave either for Northwestern, excuse me, to a North Notre Dame or Georgetown, uh, you know, you can throw out the Georgetown part of that. So, or he could just get a pay raise and stay at Penn State, I assume. Uh, he's in a good bargaining position after Penn State's run in the NCAA tournament. Some, uh, Kyle, some uh, Let's uh, switch to the NBA. Some NBA games tonight involving Western Conference teams that are you know, battling for playoff positioning. Uh, Minnesota's at uh, New York to face the Knicks, and uh, Minnesota an eight-and-a-half-point underdog in that game. The uh, Warriors, they're horrible on the road, but Houston's pretty much horrible everywhere. The Warriors are 11-point road favorites tonight at Houston. Dallas at Memphis, so one of these teams is going to lose, and uh, Memphis is... uh, Supposedly gotten it together a little bit here. Memphis a two-and-a-half-point favorite over Dallas. And also Sacramento against Utah, that game in Utah and Salt Lake City. And uh, Utah a five-point favorite in that game. All right, that's it for the Sports Zone for today. Stay tuned. The Extra Point's coming up next. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.